Welcome to Ag Vic Talk, keeping you up to date with information from Agriculture Victoria. Decision making. Is it something that can be learned and developed as a skill? G'day, I'm Drew Radford, and as farm businesses get bigger and more complex, plus also having to adapt to climate variability, good decision making is fundamental to success. To find out how much so, Agvic Talk is undertaking a virtual climate bus tour to see how farmers are dealing with climate risk. Today, we're heading towards Queenscliff to meet Cam Nicholson. He's a farmer and also a consultant with Nikon Rural Services. Plus, for a bit of good measure, he's also a university lecturer. He has a passion for helping farmers that stretches a long way back. Uh, background is agricultural science. Um, worked for the Ag Department for six or seven years in Victoria, northern Victoria mainly, and then went out consulting, well, now nearly 30 years ago, mainly in pasture agronomy, livestock side of it, and soils as well, and also involved in a family farm where we run beef cattle and wool sheep. So did you grow up on that? Uh, no, no, I was actually from Melbourne, but my father-in-law had just a small block there and once we got married he said, would you like to help us out? Because he wasn't a farmer by background either and just over time we've just sort of expanded as we've gone along as well as kept the consulting side of things going as well. So Cam, you certainly get to walk the talk for want of a better description. Farm decision making, you're a consultant, you're also a university lecturer, so I imagine you've got some fairly good insight to this. Can farm decision making be learned? Oh, absolutely. It's something that when I first started, I didn't quite appreciate how I suppose we hadn't been taught how to make a good decision. I can remember when I was taught to read and write, do arithmetic, spent many years at school and you progressively got better and better at that. But when I ask people, when were you taught to make a good decision, most people just sit there stunned, you know? Well, we just make decisions, never really thought about it, never really been trained in how to do it. And there is a process, there are steps that you can go through, and I think you can become better at it. And I've certainly seen in the clients, the farmers that I work with, that some of them have a innate ability to make good decisions. Others don't. Others can get themselves tied up in in knots a bit or find it difficult to make some decisions. But the ones that do and do it naturally do actually follow a process that I think we can all learn from. That's actually a great analogy, isn't it? There's so many things in life that we're not actually taught, but we're assumed that we have the key knowledge about. Yeah, yeah, and and decision-making is one of those. And when I became more aware of this and did a bit of sort of background work on it to find out a bit more, and in fact there is a lot of fantastic information out there around decision-making and what influences your decision-making, I just realised that I hadn't been taught any of this. You sort of learn it as you go. And when I then reflected, as I said, on some of the really good operators that I see in agriculture, they follow a process. Sometimes they don't necessarily know that they're doing it, but they do follow a process. And I thought, gee, there's a lot we could learn from that. So that's sort of where my interest has grown in that area around farm decision making. Cam, what are some of those key elements in that process then for effective decision making? It's a number of them. One that I think is really important that I try and get people to recognise now is what I call the how the head, the heart and the gut influences your decision making. 
I was taught, because I've got a science background, that it was very much about what I'd call the head, you know, the facts and figures, the analysis that you can do, the, the spreadsheets that you can calculate and work out the numbers on. And I used to do a lot of things with clients and think, well, this makes sense to me and this makes sense on paper to do, but then the client would be reluctant to do it. And it's because those other factors, which I call the heart and the gut, also have a big influence on that. And quite often we... Um, Not so much dismiss the heart, which is sort of your values, your beliefs, your preferences, those sort of things, and your gut, which is your past experience and your intuition. We tend to sort of put them in the background quite often, particularly as a consultant like me that would go out and just want to look at the numbers and look at the facts, when those other two aspects are really, really important. So the first thing I've really learnt out of all of this is to make sure that we're not afraid to surface the head, heart and gut and say how each of those might influence the decision that we need to make. The second one is that there is difference in personalities. And so some personalities have a different approach to how much emphasis they put on the head, heart and gut in their decision making. And I've come to recognise that much better. And so people that are very instinctive decision makers, I've learnt now to work much better with them, put the facts, if you like, to the background and worry more about their past experience and and what they've encountered and seen and observed in the past in that decision-making. And I think the third one that I'd, I'd add in there is I've learned a lot about risk and understanding risk and, and volatility and how that almost subliminally influences the decisions that people make because they're assessing the risks all the time, but we rarely actually bring them to the surface and actually talk about them in in a number sense. They just sort of sit there in the background with it, oh, I think that's a bit risky, or I'd be willing to have a punt at that because I think that's an acceptable level of risk. So they're probably the three things I've learned in the decision-making that I think is important. Cam, that's a great insight. What about on the other side? What can lead to poor decision-making? A number of things. I think probably the the most important one is that we often do things in haste, particularly some of what I might call the more challenging or complex decisions that we might need to make. There's a wonderful fellow by the name of Daniel Kahneman. He's a professor at Princeton University in the US. He actually won a Nobel Prize for his work on decision-making. And he talks about fast and slow decision-making. And I recognise this a lot with the people I work with, that sometimes we make some decisions and if we'd spent just a little bit more time and had a process that we could work through, we would actually make a, a far better decision. But quite often we'll make a decision based on past experience. It worked last time, it'll work again. And quite often circumstances are changed, you know, things are different. And so what worked last time may not work this time. Are there certain trigger points and, and use of calendars that are important in a decision-making process? Uh, can be. Depends on what the decision is. Some of the the big decisions might be buying a block of land or splitting a farming business or amalgamating a farming business or whatever else, which aren't really necessarily calendar-based. But there are certainly a lot of decisions that I'm seeing now, and particularly with the work I'm doing at the moment with the Future Drought Fund, of where there are probably some very useful calendar-based trigger points that we could use each year. And because every year is different, the decision will be different. 
but the time to pause and to think and to go through the process and ask yourself those questions again, I think is, is very valid and I think we can do a lot more of that in the future. Cam, climate variability, how's that impact on decision-making? It's huge because it brings in the, the risk because really what, what the climate change is doing is it's adding to our volatility. Quite often we hear that the average temperature has gone up a bit, but in fact what I think we notice more is that there is greater variability or greater volatility in the climate. Now, when you add those extremes together, the average may only change by a small amount, and quite often we talk about the average, but the risk lies in the extremes. And what I'm seeing with the climate change is that we're having to get prepared for more extreme events. Now, whether that's longer droughts or wetter wets, changes, fluctuations from a really wet start to a season, say, to a really dry end to a season, I think that is increasing compared to on where we've been in the past. We've always had it, but I'm just seeing that the volatility is increasing around some of those things. So arguably then a careful decision-making structure is more crucial now than ever. Oh, yes, yeah, and will become more so in the future. And I think you know, around the climate stuff, in a lot of cases, it's been, oh, we'll lose rainfall, so rainfall will reduce and temperatures will rise. But that's not going to happen every year. So we're still going to get some years the same as we've had in the past. And they're good years. And they're years that I think we really need to focus a bit more and capitalise on. How do you make the good years great? Because they may not be as many of those around the corner as there's been in the past. And the flip side of that is how do you make good early decisions in those tighter years that may come earlier than we've had before or be for prolonged periods. Cam Nicholson, Agricultural Consultant with Nikon Rural Services. Some fantastic insights there about making good decisions, particularly around climate variability. Thanks for taking the time to join us in this AgVic Talk podcast. No problems. Thanks, Drew. Thank you for listening to AgVic Talk. For more episodes in this series, find us and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. We would love to hear your feedback, so please leave a comment or rating and share this series with your friends and family. All information is accurate at the time of release. Contact Agriculture Victoria or your consultant before making any changes on farm. This podcast was developed by Agriculture Victoria, authorised by the Victorian Government, Melbourne.